it. Uh, there's a scripture on the screen. I'm going to read it. First Peter chapter 1. I think it's on there. There we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Uh, let me pray for us one more time. Uh, God, we I pray this morning that in this great tradition of Easter Sunday, um, I think back to the very first Sunday, the very first Easter, uh, that you would do again today what you did then, which was surprise the world, uh, that you would surprise us. Um, we dress up, we, could, we come, we expect kind of the same thing every Easter, we we get excited about the tradition, we hide eggs, we eat candy, but something about your Easter resurrection power and hope, I pray that hope would break into this space. I pray that your hope would minister to us, um, that you would minister to our hearts and make us Easter people. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Uh, well, When I was a kid growing up in church, Easter services were a little different. Uh, There was a sunrise service, so people would get chairs and come early in the morning for sunrise, and you would watch the sunrise and sing some songs in, like, the church parking lot. It was kind of a thing. Uh, Don't really do that in the Midwest too much. Maybe if you're in California, it would be nice. But uh, there was this time that I would be there as a kid. I remember being there very young, and there was... There was this old lady, uh, she, was, she was short, and I was a little kid, and she would kind of sneak up on me and be like, he has risen. I'd be like, ah! Like, I'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, what's happening? Like, she would just, didn't know what was going on, right? Um, and I didn't realize that that was a greeting that you would say. And I didn't really understand that. And I remember getting older and being a teenager and being in that teenage phase of like, eh, I don't want to be here. She would be like, he has risen. I'd be like, I'd be like okay. Um... And that was the end of our relationship. We didn't really talk anymore. (laughs) Uh, But this is the day, not just for us, but billions of people across the globe are declaring that Jesus is Lord and that he is risen from the dead. And the globe is saying, he is risen, this tradition. He is risen. He's risen indeed, indeed. But there's a billion more people in the globe that hear that, maybe on your social media phase, and they're kind of like, okay. Okay, or ah, or uh, maybe not thrilled, maybe not against it, not mad about it, just kind of this response of like, I don't see the significance of this being good news, right? Uh, we live in a time of a lot of news, a lot of, a lot of bad news, a lot of news that hits uh, the feed. Um, research shows actually that a lot of your algorithms are feeds of things that they know will make you angry based off your uh, content that you consume. So people are giving you content to make you angry on purpose. Uh, and there's always, like, breaking news, breaking news. Like, breaking news is everything now. Like, I, I, I feel like uh, it's like, breaking news, uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, breaking news. Like, breaking news when I was growing up was, like, there was an NFL player driving a Ford Bronco down, uh, you know, down the road, like being chased by the police, like breaking news. Like, this is crazy. Um, the news of Easter is this breaking news. It's like supposed to be this good news. 
that I, I was looking at different news sources, even the religious section, to see, and like maybe like not really an article on Easter. No one's really saying that the resurrection of Jesus is breaking news. Um, and so what I want to do today is I've heard a lot of sermons on Easter. A lot of times there's kind of this like, let me prove to you why the resurrection happened. That's not a bad message, um, but that's not what I want to do with you today. I want to talk to you about why the resurrection is significant for us as a source of hope, as a source of hope. Uh, for Peter, he says, praise be to the God Blessed be God. Let's worship him. We talked about praise last week if you were here. In his great mercy, we need a lot more mercy today, who's given us a new birth into a living hope. A future, there's a future element that breaks into the present because of a past action. Uh, and, and the biblical word for hope is not just optimism or wishful thinking. Like, I wish there was a parking spot, like in Chicago, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it's something much deeper. We have a hope problem today. Uh, the CCD had a survey done last year uh, that uh, researched uh, teenagers, and 44% of American high school students said that they feel a persistent feeling of sadness and hopelessness. That's almost double the numbers of 2009. That almost half of teenagers today feel like this sense of persistent sadness and hopelessness. And this is not just happening in Chicago or urban environments. This is happening across America. And then if you break that population down to just females, women, that population gets higher. You break it down to ethnic minorities, it's even higher. You break it down to the LGBTQ community, it's even higher. That there's a sense of hopelessness and despair that young people are feeling. Why? Why are young people feeling hopeless? Like bullying is down. Like there's other good things that are down. Like pandemics lifted. Like what? there's different articles, different people trying to come up with solutions to why this is. Maybe it's social media, right? There's social media. Maybe it's political turmoil that they're just relentlessly presented with, with just bad news. Bad news, bad news. They become discouraged that I'm not going to see good days in the head. Like, basically, what everything I have experienced up to this point is chaos. Chaos externally, chaos internally, and chaos around me. I don't see hope. Um, so I don't, I don't know your hopes. I don't know your particular dreams. But every single one of us has grieved the loss of hope, has grieved the hope of a dream loss. Maybe for you it's what your family was going to look like. Maybe it is a parent that's been taken too soon. I remember uh, my dad passed away at age 61, uh, a year after I moved to Chicago. I remember... My four-year-old daughter at the funeral drawing a picture of him under the ground and us having to talk to her about where is, you know, granddad? Like, where is he now? You have to, we had to have come up with answers, right? Like, you have to come up with answers for what has happened. Like, what are we going to say? Are we going to say, oh, you know, he's, he's in a better place. Like, you have to, as a parent, think through these, this, this loss. Um, maybe it's a loved one's health that's been in decline, a dream lost. Maybe it's a rift in your family or a division or conflict or, or an exclusion from your family that you haven't been able to mint. Maybe for you, it's just like, this is not where I thought I would be at this point of my life. Like a dream lost of, I thought I would be somewhere else at this age. You thought, the, you thought that you would, you know, kind of like have more money or, or better friends or 
live in a different spot. Um, maybe for you, it's just like the dream of how... Is that me? <laughs> Star Wars is Easter. May the force be with you. And maybe, maybe it's the sense of... Um, like, like the world, I, I thought the world would work in a place where we get treated with dignity. Or maybe it's just like the overwhelming grief that the loss of hope that I could go to a movie theater or my kids could go to school without the anxiety of a shooting, right? Like, we, we all have experienced, like, a lost dream. That's the death of hope. And when Jesus entered into Jerusalem in Passion Week, he rode in on a donkey. Talked about that last week. He rode in as the way of humility, the way of love, the way of peace. He rode in as the way of God, the the one who is love, the one who is justice, the one who is compassion. He was killed in hope that day seemed to die. His followers fled except the women who stood by the cross and Joseph of Arimathea who provided a tomb for the body. Scripture says they placed his tomb in his body in the tomb and rolled the stone in front of the tomb, and there he laid dead, lifeless. There, their hope dashed on the altar of reality. Their truth was crushed to the earth, and love itself seemed to die. And Jesus' closest friends knew all about the deaths of hope. They thought Jesus was going to establish this earthly kingdom, right? This this sense that they were going to free them from the oppression of Rome as they were being oppressed. It's why his friends would argue, like literally, like who's going to sit on the left and right of Jesus when his, his kingdom comes? They're like literally thought there was going to be a kingdom coming in their lifetime on earth that they would reign in. That's why they, they had these, these kind of arguments about, about their relationship to Jesus. And then when Jesus decided to gather his last supper, Passover, they're like, oh my gosh, this is the meal before God's victory on earth. And the disciples see Jesus die, flee, and they lock themselves in the room for the mob that's going to come after them. They are afraid, scared to death this, first, this Easter, right? And then Peter, who was one of those people locked in the room, says years later, Jesus is our living hope. So what, what's changed? How do you go from this despair to hope? Matthew 28 says this, After Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, rolled back the stone. Um, there, was, there was an angel that rolled the stone away. And the sense that there was this earthquake that happened, this early Sunday morning, the women went, they went to do the like, they were just doing the customary thing. Let's, we're going to anoint Jesus' body. We're going to be there. We're going to anoint his body. We're going to care for his body. And then they realized there had been an earthquake. The earth had been cracked open. The tomb was empty. The earth was cracked open like an egg. And this tomb was open and life emerged from it. And that is the victory of love. That is the victory of God. And Easter is the celebration of that victory. So what is, I want to talk to you about this um, future hope. This, this sense of what is hope. And it's the conf, hope is the confidence And the confident affirmation that God is faithful. God is faithful. Hope is that resurrection didn't just happen. Resurrection happens. That he will come 
and complete what he began. It is there that confident expectation that this is not the end. Death doesn't have the last word. And I would say that I don't talk a lot about the future hope, like because I think the church's pendulum swing to talk about heaven and securing salvation for your individual salvation and those kind of things. So I kind of tend to emphasize the kingdom of God here and now. Um, but there is a lot of darkness that light has come in. Like, like there's a lot of darkness in these last days that I feel. It reminds me of, um, I think about like when I was a teenager and you'd stay up all night, right? And then it would be early in the morning and your mom woke you up for school. And my mom, she, she knew, my mom would not like always just be like, honey, it's time to wake up. Like, you know, pat me on the arm. Come on, it's time. you can wake up now. My mom, who said she loved me, would just throw on the light. Just bam, like, oh gosh, you blinded me, right? Like this sense of like darkness and warmth. And she would come and just turn on the brightest light. It just brings back the most painful of memories. Um, and sometimes she, she wouldn't even nudge me. And so she would just be like, get up, wake up. Right? I would crave darkness. I would pull the pillow over my eyes. I, I wanted the darkness back. And this woman who says she loves me, what are you doing? Something about the darkness that's comforting. There's something about the comfort of darkness that when the bright light pierces it, once that level of darkness is exposed to that level of light, it is hard to go back to the darkness. And God uses darkness and turns it into light. He uses this hope that it, hope is almost like punching into darkness. It's like punches a hole into darkness, into the, like this black hole, and this future hope. And what I want to talk about mostly and just anchor in with like hopefully a perspective change is a lot of times for whatever situation you're in, whatever despair you are in, whatever moment, when you think about the future, you're thinking about the future being informed by your past for either good or bad. You're either thinking through all of your mistakes, all of your failures. Most of the time, it's our past that's motivating us to push us into the future. And what happens is, so there's these things that have happened. Our past hurts, our past wounds, our past traumas, our past mistakes. They push us into the future from behind. They're driving our future right now. It's an energy that moves us into our future from the past of what we've done or what has happened to us. Our future's thinking through these kind of filters. Um, I think about for me, like whenever, like I just feel like sadness comes over me or just like stuckness or depression. When my past, um, when I look into the future, I see my past pushing me into the future often. I think through like these things, like people will always leave Chicago. (laughs) They're going to leave me. Everyone's going to leave us. You are all, I'm all alone. I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. I'm responsible. Um, This is on my shoulders. I don't have what it takes. I think through the past, and then I get stuck, and then I go dark. And I'm too afraid to move into the light. And many of us live this way. It may not be like a depressive moment, or it it may be an anxious moment, but your past is pushing you into this future. So when you move into the future, this you're thinking like, this relationship is going to end just like the last one. This church will be just like the last church. I'll probably screw this up. My parents are not going to come back from the dead. And it's not compelled to work away at keeping up appearances with this sense of like pushing and pushing. 
But when things that are moving you into your future are only your past, the problem is very clear. The problem is our past is littered with broken promises. Our past is littered with loss. Our our past is littered with despair. So we cannot hope. And what resurrection says is actually God's good future pulling us into the future. It's like what, 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 how we hope as a resurrected Easter people is God's future is pulling us up into new life. It's completely different. It's knowing that there is an end of the story. I know the end, and I'm seeing the, the God's ultimate reality, and I'm being pulled into that future where there is justice, where there is peace, where there is love. That's, 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 that's the point of Easter. That, what I want to show you today, like if you hear nothing else, is this, that God wants to pull you into his ultimate reality. He wants you to be motivated by the future of knowing what the end is, right? Like that we are all going to, to die. And there's this future reality of like, okay, like I, I cannot be afraid. I can live this life not crippled and paralyzed by fear. I think of so many things. Like Martin Luther King Jr., 1965, there was, he received a phone call in the middle of the night and says, we're, we're tired of you. We're going to burn your house down. We're going we're gonna to bomb your house and hung up, paraphrase. MLK got up in the morning. It was, he said, I was paralyzed. I love this because when we think of Martin Luther King Jr., we think of like this fearless leader. He says literally, I was paralyzed by fear and I could not sleep. Until one day I grabbed my morning coffee and I heard this voice from heaven and says, Martin, you're going to do this. You're going to stand for justice. You're going to stand for what will ultimately come. And I will be with you always. Right? You see that? It, was a, it wasn't Martin's past that motivated him into the future. It was a reality that spoke to him, this resurrected voice that spoke to him. Um, and I think for us, like Easter, if I could be honest as a pastor, Easter is a hard sermon to preach. <laughs> like, I have a lot of Easter sermons. I love preaching Easter sermons. But there's a lot of like, don't get me wrong, it is a high honor to preach on Easter. Very high honor. But it's a difficulty I face because it's a, it's a pain in the butt because we, we come, we get ready, and we say, he is risen! Look at the tomb! The tomb's still empty! And we're like, Cool. Cool. Let's go get brunch. Cool. That was nice. It was a nice service. Cool. It was fun. It's Easter. It felt good. Right? We do this every year. So it's like this sense of like difficulty um, where, where we sing some songs, we eat some brunch, we leave unchanged. And, and some of us are kind of like playing along. Right? Like we came like ready to play along. We didn't want to like come and like really face despair and really face hope. It reminds me of um, in my house, sometimes like with kids and kids that are still re- learning to read. We're on the cusp of kind of being out of this phase. But uh, a lot of times my wife, Ashley, will, will maybe like spell out words like we're going to T-A-R-G-E-T, right? Like you'd say, like you spell out stuff. And I'm like before the like hooked on phonics phase, like I'm like a sight reader. I'm like, I, it's usually slow for me. I'm always like walking around the room thinking like. Usually I'm like, at first I just say, okay, I just pretend. I just like pretend I know what you, N-O-M-O-V-I-E. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, what did she spell out? Like, what is, and I'm like writing it in the air. And then she sees me like, what are you, you're just walking around. What are you doing? And you're like, did you 
hear what I said? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. Um, I think uh, that's like some of us on Easter. We play along. Like, we don't understand this stuff. We don't really let it hit us. It, it, it reminds me of um, Goodwill Hunting, right? Like, uh, you know, and Matt Damon and Robin Williams. And uh, Matt Damon is a troubled teenager, young man. Uh, and Robin Williams is his counselor. And there's this moment where Robin Williams is standing with him. And he's, I don't know if you've seen the movie, you know the lines. He, he goes, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And then Matt Damon goes, yeah, I know. He goes, no, 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 it's not your fault. It's not your fault. He goes, yeah, I know. And then Robin Williams, like, bear grabs him, like, just hugs him. It's like, oh, and, like, holds him. And then, like, Matt Damon just loses it. He just loses it. cries. Empties, releases the burden. Releases the burden. I feel like for us, for Easter, it's like God's angels, you know, the He's not here, right? He's risen, like, telling us, you don't have to be afraid. And you're like, yeah, I know, it's Easter. No, 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 like, you don't have to, the thing you're afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, I know. No, 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 you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. For it to sink in, this future hope, like, it has to sink in. So what does this future hope pull us into? I just want to hit on a couple of things. Um, Paul later would write in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection a lot, and he would say a lot of stuff. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Paul. Um, Paul would be like, hey, if the resurrection is not real, this whole thing is a shamble. Like, it's a, a, we're, we're doing this in vain. The dead aren't going to be raised. And he just goes through this whole, like, we don't like Paul because he's negative. Like, if, if Paul was, like, your, your gospel community leader, you're like, I would never show up to that gospel community. Like, Paul's angry. Like, some of you like that. You like to be yelled at. Paul would probably yell at you a lot, right? He's like... You're not going to be raised from the dead if this isn't real, like all these things. And basically, but if you think about the positive of what he's saying, he's saying that our life does have meaning. The positive, the flip side is you, death is not the end. There is, this is not the last, death does not have the last word. Um, and you've heard this every single Easter, but this is like, I want you to think about, like when you think about explaining a child what happened to your grandparents or someone you've lost, and you have to kneel down and tell them something. Like, what are you going to say? Like, what is, like, it's not, it, we have to have, like, the world needs answers. Like, that child needs answers, right? Like, the world needs answers for COVID. Like, we, there, there is a true future hope that God is pulling us into, that truly those who are dead will truly be raised with Jesus, right? And there is a future of justice when there is no consequence of this life. There is no justice coming we see a future where all ethnicities, all languages, all backgrounds, a multi-ethnic community where racism and prejudice and all the isms will meet their match. And we are being pulled into that reality. Um, but the thing is, is this, this um, resurrection, it, we see like in our life with a sense of hope. Um, I think the, the word that God was really put in my heart for today was, that um, it reminds me of like Gideon back in the Old Testament when God's like, you have this massive army. And he was like, I want you to fight this battle. And then he's like, but I need you to like go to the river and people are going to start lapping water like, like, like dogs. And he's like, and those people remove them and fight with less people. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was like 
the other way around. Anyway, the point is, is he's like, I want you to like get down from 3,000. I want you to remove those until you have like 300 people. Now you're ready. He's like, what? Like, no. And I feel like with, with hope, it made me think about how we deal with hope a little backwards. I think a lot of times we, we think of hope as we, ha- we want more. And we want more stuff. We want more of something. And then we want God to like add more to our more. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. The way I work is, is through less. I need you to have less for you to have hope. Like the sense of like, God's like, I don't want to just add hope to your more. If you want hope, your hope is going to come out of less. And once you have less, then you can have God's more. And once you ha- once you were in that place of less, then you will surrender and have God's more. And I'm like, I'll, I feel like God, I'm like, God, that's been played out. I've tried to argue with him. I tried to tell him there's different ways, different strategies he could do this. You could try to negotiate with him, too, if you want. Um, but I've tried. I'm like, no, no, God, let's try this out. I think this would be more powerful. What if you take my more and then you add your more to my more? Then that will be pretty awesome. And God's like, no, no, no. I need to you to have less. And then I will add my hope to your less. Hope is not God adding more to your more. He doesn't work that way. Have you ever noticed that? Like the thing you ask God, he never really addresses it directly. He's always going to talk about something else. Like you're coming to God and you're like asking him, you know, about something. He's always going to talk about something else that's deeper that he really wants to get into. And I think for us, like often our hope is misplaced into the more. And on the resurrection of Jesus, the time when they rose from the dead, dead, when he rose from the dead, the angels were there telling the women, he's not here, right? Like he's not here. The stone has been rolled away. Uh, the angels were like, he's gone, right? And none of this is what you came looking for. The reason they couldn't see it or recognizing it and this is true of me, is the worst, when the worst is all I can imagine, God's best can be really hard to fathom. Like when the worst is all I can imagine, like God's best is very hard for me to fathom. I think of like my worst nightmare, which is being like on the I-90-94. Like God, you've forsaken me. Like I'm stuck in this road, right? Or you think about the state of our city. You think about violence. You think about our country's division, God's good is missed simply because we're not looking for it. And the worst was what these women were expecting, what the disciples were expecting. They weren't ready for resurrection. They weren't ready for God's resurrection power to come. And um, a lot of times what I'm looking for is life among dead ends. I'm looking for life among dead ends. And some of us, we can, we can be scrolling on our phone all day long, looking for something to give us a lift and to wake us up and make us feel alive or inspired and never find it. You can make all the money in the world, more money than you ever would need, and never feel alive. You can be the most religious person. You can go hard after this stuff. You can quote Bible verses, even when people don't want you to quote Bible verses. You can, you can, you can still do all that and not feel alive because you've missed God in the equation. For me, I can want people to like me. I can want people to, to just be happy with me, to not be offended by me, or to, to, to want to be around me, right? 
in this sense of, of, of wanting people to like me and, and never find life in that. Um, so I feel like today I want to share that resurrection is God's responsibility, not yours. As I, clo- as I get started to close, I just want to share that resurrection is God's responsibility, not yours. A lot of things will happen. I cannot guarantee from here everything is going to change. What if this is the Easter where nothing changes? Or maybe the whole world changes after this. People will be born. People will die. But nothing can stop his rising. There's nothing you can do to accomplish, to stop it from happening, or to speed up his rising. And your failures cannot slow down God's rising. Isn't that good news? Love gets up on its own sweet time. Jesus' resurrection gets up on its own sweet time. And maybe you don't believe it. So... What you believe won't make it less true. Some people will hear this today and be strangely warmed. Like, I'm I'm thankful for this. Others will leave and be like, walk away disillusioned. Either way, the whole cosmos has been changed. From every blade of grass, to every nursing home, to every animal on a farm, to every angry atheist, to every grain of sand, to every cell. The whole cosmos has been changed. Life conquered death, and there is nothing we can do about it except receive it as a gift or doubt it. And so resurrection has happened and is happening, and resurrection is not an edict. It is an invitation to know like the the humming of God, like the humming resurrection beneath all created things, that death is not the end. And praise God that we have failed at trying to ruin it. There's no straight line to the resurrection. And the world doesn't really cooperate with Easter. But today we glimpse the future and we glimpse a glory that waits us all. But we have to receive it as a gift. We have to receive it as a gift. And this is awkward to talk about the resurrection. It's a, it, it can be very awkward if we don't receive it right. Have you ever received an awkward gift? Like... Just a very awkward gift. I was giving my kids Easter gifts today. You know, they're still, my youngest is still learning. He was just like, ew, not that. I'm like, I get you. I get you. Because I don't want to waste, I don't want people to waste money on me. And I get that. It's, it's weird. Um, have you ever gotten a gift that's like 10 steps to have a better attitude? Right? Have you ever had one of those crazy gifts? How to reduce body odor in 30 days. Thank you so much. Like you're unpacking that gift and you're raising some eyebrows, right? They become awkward. The gift of the resurrection is if you, you have to acknowledge that you need this. If you do not acknowledge the despair in your life or in our world, it is hard for hope to make sense if you don't know the reality of despair. You receive resurrection while acknowledging the futility of your attempts of self-salvation, Right? We have to pause and acknowledge we need this. Acknowledge we need this. We have to acknowledge the darkness of this world. Um, I want to close with, with, with uh, I was thinking about uh, watching movies, and, and the last time I cried watching a movie, um, I showed my, my daughter Forrest Gump, and uh, I lost it. And uh, I was going to think about tying in Forrest Gump, but I was thinking about another movie I watched with my daughter, my family, and cried, because um, I don't watch a lot of movies, but when I do, I'm like, ah. um, and that was Sing 2. 
You guys, you guys have, have you seen Sing 2? I know you've seen Sing 1, right? I mean, come on, but Sing 2? Okay, all of you are going to go out of here, and you're going to go watch Sing 2, okay? That's what you're going to... Um, Sing 2, there's a character, a lion named Clay uh, Conaway, Calway, um, who is Bono from U2. And if you don't know who U2 is, like, just ask your parents, like, they'll tell you. And Bono's character is a lion, and he's a mega rock star on, and, and his... His whole life has fallen. He's fallen off the planet. He's nowhere to be found. No longer in the public eye. No one's ever heard him for a long time. He no longer sings. He no longer makes music. The death of his wife has ruined him. He has imprisoned himself. He literally has created a gate around his house, which is a metaphor for what he's done in his soul. He's stuck, and he's locked himself in. And now, a porcupine, Ash, played by Scarlett Johansson, goes to find him and convinces him to do one more concert. So they're about to walk out of the, into the tunnel to do this concert, and Bono the Lion, he can't go through with it. He's stuck. He can't move. He's just like, I can't, can't do this. And he looks at Scarlett Johansson's character and says, I can't do it. And Scarlett, her character, goes, decides to go out anyway, and she starts to sing the first line of the song. And this is where it's cool because like animation and reality like collide because the song is one of Bono's songs. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. So she begins to sing and the whole audience begins to sing with her. Bono's backstage. He hears all the singing. He hears all the singing of the songs. He starts to look up and there's this vision next to him as everyone's singing. And it's his future glory wife. This future glory wife, I was going to send it, but it's kind of hard to send a screenshot with like Apple rights and stuff. You're just like, okay. Um, But she's there and he's with her, with his future glory wife standing next to him. And in this scene, the wife is almost saying like, it's okay. You can live. You don't have to be afraid. You can live. You can live with hope. And so he decides he can keep going forward and live in the song He's singing. Is I still haven't found what you're looking for. He walks out on stage. He has the guitar. He plays that famous edge rift, and everyone goes wild. And I'm like, oh yeah! Like I'm even watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it's a cartoon. <laughs> and and though the song just starts, the director, for some reason, decides for his first line not to be the next verse, but the third verse of the song. And so he lets him sing the third verse of the song. So Bono comes out and sings, I believe in the kingdom come, and all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. He comes up singing about the kingdom of God, that God will make everything right, and everything will bleed into unity. And just so you know, he's not just singing about his wife. Him and Scarlett begin to sing the next verse together in unison. And they sing, you broke the bonds and loose the chains, carried the cross of my shame, of my shame, and you know I believe it. And then the whole crowd sings together, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. As if to say, you can carry on in this life and have hope. In the redemption of Christ, there is a day coming. We still haven't found what we're looking for here on earth. Like there's a day that's pulling you into his reality. There's a future where all 
justices will be made right. Like the, the, they were, the consequences will, will be taken care of. All who are excluded will be included. All love will conquer all. Right? All hope will be had. All, every tear will be dried. And I will be with my granddad. And you will be with your loved ones. And all of creation is groaning now like a pregnant birth, waiting in labor pains and despair, but is going to give birth to this future reality. And I'm sitting next to my family, and I'm weeping. I'm like, this is a great movie. They wrote this for my generation. They got me. They totally got me. They knew what they were doing. And um, I feel like this is, this is the resurrection hope for us. This is the sense of there is resurrection hope. This is what the resurrection means. We don't have to be pushed into our future by our past. We don't have to. We can be pulled into our future by God's future. Band, you guys can come up and play. Where we can say, "I will not be afraid." And for the Christians in the room, I just want to remind us that Easter needs to be the cornerstone of our life. All of our future hangs on it. The resurrection of Jesus. We are not moving toward a death freeze of this universe. We are headed towards renewal. And Easter means that there's a party we're celebrating, that we are to be a people of the party. Amen? I forgot to tell you, we're going to have like desserts and drinks. We're going to have like a little mini reception, so stick around. But because of the resurrection, we party like we heard the war has just been won over evil and defeated because it has so in him, you can have eternal life. You can have this future hope. So let's pray. Romans 8 says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can live in you. That invitation is open. It is open for you. invitation to know the hidden secret humming beneath all things that there is a future glory a future hope that's pulling you forward so I don't know what had your name on it I just want to give you time to reflect what was it about today that spoke to you We don't come to communion table looking for explanations or trying to understand it all. But I want to invite you to come hungry for joy and ready for awe and wonder and desperate for Easter hope. That in the middle of your your stuckness, in the middle of your whatever is paralyzing you with fear, that you would not be afraid. That you would be pulled forward into Jesus' hope. Amen. Amen. Would you guys stand? Worship with us, sing, come take communion. Uh, We'll have people available for prayer in the back. Let's celebrate the renewal of the cosmos together. Let's celebrate the future hope we have together.